John chapter 12, verse 3. I'm going to read four verses to you, starting in verse 3. Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, verse 4. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, This perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Verse 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Let me talk for just a couple of minutes from the subject, my generosity. My generosity. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the moments we share. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking, you're leading, you're guiding, and we're only going to hear from you because Jesus, you said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So we don't want the voice of the enemy, the voice of our flesh, the voice of emotion, the voice of need. We, we reject all of it. We want to hear from heaven. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody in the church said, amen, amen, and amen. Today is my invitation to you to a generous life. Um, what I'm about to share with you will change your life. And the reason I'm saying it's an invitation to a generous life is because some of you, you may never come back again. Uh, some of you may not feel led to be a part of this church. Some of you may uh, never sow into this house. That's okay. Work and listen and obey the principles that I'm teaching you because they'll change your life. Amen. So even if you never come back, even if you... Uh, even if you say, Jabin, I don't, I'm not sure about you, that turtleneck, I don't know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> JR came up to me after ser- uh, one of the services, one of our worship leaders, he goes, man, I just can't, I, I don't have the confidence for that turtleneck. I said, you know what? You don't have it till you put it on. But man, you put that thing on, you look in the mirror, you go, all right. But I didn't have that much swag. I still had to cover it with something, you know, it wasn't like. So I don't know. So, so even, if, even if I'm not your guy, this isn't your place. Music's too crazy. We're too wild. We're too loud. We talk about the Holy Spirit too much, whatever. Take these principles. They'll change your life. They'll change your family. They'll change your future. And, and they will change your finances. So, so whatever, this isn't self-serving for me, um, if a, the, okay, this isn't self-serving for me. I was about to say something dumb. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This isn't self-serving for me, okay? I'm telling you this because it'll change your life if you'll do it. My generosity, number one, my generosity, it honors Jesus. She did this, Jesus' words, she did this in preparation for my burial. Let me, let me translate it. She did this for me. Judas, you're talking about the poor, though you don't even care about the poor. You're thinking about what we could do with this money. You're thinking about practical things. She did this for me. This was a gift for me. This blessed me. This moved me. This got my attention. This honored me. 
She did this for me. Jesus validated her offering. He validated her offering. He he communicated that her offering was special. She, he communicated that her offering was significant. He communicated that, his, that her offering was supernatural. She did this for me. Offerings move our heart and therefore move God's heart. And if your heart has never been moved by an offering, you haven't given enough. <laughs> Trust me. But when an offering moves you, I promise it moves God. When an offering makes you go, woo, that offering will make God go, woo. When that offering says, God, I trust you, God goes, you can trust me. Judas, stop tripping, stop talking about all this other stuff. This was for me. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. From the Amplified Version, wherever your treasure is, your heart, your wishes, your desire, that on which your life centers around will be also. Hear me, friend. I can give on some level without loving. On some level, I can pull up to a red light and throw a few bucks to a homeless person. I can, I can walk out of the church and give God a five, amen, in the offering box back there and walk out. I can, I can I, you know, when Santa's out there for... Christmas, I, can, I could throw a few coins in there. And on some level, I can give without loving, but I cannot love without generously giving. Generously giving. And the proof of my love is generosity, not emotion, generosity. It, 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 is, it is generosity. And my heart, my wishes, my desires, that on which my life centers will follow my giving. And Jesus said that generous giving is for him. Think about that. It's for him. It was for him. See, when you tithe, when you give offerings and people who will give this week and just in their normal giving, yeah, it helps us. It's very practical. It helps keep the lights on. It helps us, you know, give kids snacks and kids church and keep TVs running and, and keep the light, you know, keeps all that stuff going, pays for staff members and it helps us do what we did Thursday. It's very practical. But... It's also very supernatural, hear me, because when I give to my church, I give through my church. But I give to Jesus. When you give, never forget this, you give through your church, but you give to Jesus. That's why giving to the body of Christ is different than just giving to a nonprofit. Because <laughs> it's supernatural. It's spiritual. It's not just looking for a tax write-off. Listen, I would give what I, if, if, if we lose our tax credit, if we ever, and that day will probably come because it's happened in every other Western nation. When that day comes, I'm still gonna be a tither. I'm still gonna be an offering giver because I don't do this for a tax credit. I do this because I'm in covenant with God. And I cut covenant with God through my tithe. Woo, preach, all right, all right. Listen. Hebrews 7, 8. Tithing is Old Testament. All right, let's go to the New Testament. Hebrews 7, 8. Some of y'all just know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> Some of y'all have just went on YouTube to find the doctrines you don't want to believe and you found someone to tell you what you don't. 
but you don't really want the word. You just want a YouTube preacher that you'll never meet, who will never pray for you, who will never cast the devil out of you, who will never pray for your children, who will never visit you in the hospital, but you want him to tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's a new people here like, this guy, it's that turtleneck. It's got me all wound up. Hebrews 7, 8, Hebrews 7, 8. Here, everyone say here. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Here, mortal men receive tithes. You tithe, and we go to those boxes after, and we take that money, and we count it, and then we put it in our bank account, and then we do ministry with it. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, everyone say there. But there, he receives them. Who? Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Jesus. Receive is literally in the Greek language the word that means to hold with his hands. Here, mortal men receive tithe. But there, Jesus holds your tithe in his hands. Wow. Here, it's just, I'm helping my church. There, it's a supernatural offering. Here it's, I believe in the vision, but there it moves the heart of God. Judas, this isn't about that. This, she did this for me, man. Here mortal men receive tithe, but there he receives them. Acts 10, 4, your prayers and your gifts to the poor, watch this, gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Gifts to the poor here. Offerings to God there. Helping the poor here. Giving to Jesus there. Showing up on a Thursday and separating all that food and handing it out here. Giving to the Lord there. Giving my tithe here. Handing it to Jesus there. Here it feels very practical. Here it feels like, am I really making a difference? Here you'll, you'll think of 10,000 reasons you shouldn't give, but there it is supernatural. There he who lives forever grabs your tithe, holds your tithe, sees your giving, and it moves his heart. Judas, don't try to super spiritualize this. Judas, don't try to Jesus juke Mary and act like you could do something more noble with the money. This is for me. This is for me. And one day we will stand before Jesus, Matthew 25, and you'll stand before the throne of God. And here's what he will say to you. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was in the hospital and you prayed for me. And we will look back and say, when did we see you? When did I give you food? And Jesus will say, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Now, there's a B clause to the verse, but I don't think, it, I don't think it's for any of us because I think this is a generous church. But, the, but there, is another, there is another part of the verse in Matthew 25. He goes, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. And those people will say, when did we see you? Jesus, if I'd have saw you, I'd have taken you to Fleming's. I'd have taken you to Ruth Chris. We would have went down to Mastro's, butter cake on me. I'd have helped, I'd have. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Of course I would have fed you. And he said, no, because you didn't do it to the least of these. 
you were so obsessed with you, you missed me. Huh. You talked it, but you didn't walk it. Huh. You posted it, but it never affected your life. You. But, but that ain't for none of us. Because we're generous people in here. I really believe that. This is one of the most generous churches I've ever witnessed. We're generous. I, I want to tell you, I want to stand before God, and he's going to go, you visited me. And I'm going to go, when? Oh, you did? When you visited him, when you visited her, when you were with them, when you walked with them, when you said hello to them, when you greeted them, when you, when you gave them money, when you paid for their meal, when you gave them something to drink, whatever you did for them, you did for the, you did for the king. Jesus said, I take it personal. Judas, the poor you'll have with you always. In other words, we're going to take care of the poor. Don't trip. But this was for me. When I, when I give my generosity, my generosity honors Jesus. Number two, my generosity, it stretches my faith. Woo. Some of y'all like, it's never stretched my faith. You haven't given enough. Let me tell you that again. Because when, you, when you've really given, woo. 90 A.D., 60 years after this moment, John is writing. He's on the Isle of Patmos, most, most likely. And he's giving an account of the life of Jesus. And he writes, it was expensive. <laughs> like I still, I still remember the smell, how it filled the house. I still remember the disgust on Judas's face. I still remember the shock on Thomas's face. I still remember the frustration of Peter going, man, I should have thought of that. I could have done that. I still remember the sternness in my master's voice when he said, leave her alone. It was costly. It was expensive. It was, whew. It was an awkward moment because it was a powerful moment. An old preacher told me, Jabin, there's three offerings in the Bible. You know what they are? I said, no, what are they? He said, there's the tithe, there's the offering, and there's the painful offering. <laughs> there's the offering that makes you go, all right, Lord, so you going to help with this one? We good? Like, you going to? It's the, it's the offering of, of, of the book of Psalms that says, though we, though we sow in tears, <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> you give in tears. Sometimes it's like, okay, this is costly. This is expensive. This, I got to move some things around. I gotta, this is going to affect my life. Now, I'm not talking about irresponsibility. I'm not talking about choosing an offering over feeding your kids. Not, please don't misunderstand me. I just mean... It, it gets your attention. But, but let me promise you, if it gets your attention, it gets God's attention. Yeah? If it moves you, it moves him. <laughs> if you got to think about it, he's thinking about it. It, it, it requires faith. It giving always stretches our faith. Now, now, here's why giving always requires faith. Because whether it's $10 $10,000, $10 million, wherever you roll. Let me tell you why giving always requires faith. Because every time you look at that money, you will immediately think of something you could do with that money besides give it away. 
Amen. Okay, no one honest in here, but this is the truth. And whether it's $10 and you're thinking about two more lattes you could buy or it's 10,000 and you're thinking about your dream vacation or that could go towards your dream car or it's 10 million and it's going to change, uh, you know, how you're going to, how you're going to have to move money around, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you roll. It e- immediately you think I could use this on me. Therefore it stretches your faith to give it. I go back to last week, and if you missed last week, I'd, I'd really encourage you to listen on our YouTube channel. But last week, when, when Satan looks at Adam and Eve and he goes, God doesn't want you to have that tree. In other words, he's, he's trying to withhold something from you. And, and Adam and Eve, instead of looking at all that God gave them, they look at the one thing God didn't give them. And so many times when we give, we can focus on the one thing that we're, the enemy is saying we're losing. But we're not losing, we're sowing. No farmer has ever thrown seed in the ground and thought I lost it. Oh, it's gone. I'm going to starve. It's going to require some patience. It's going to require some faith. But he knows what he's doing. But it does require faith. It, It it, it does, and, and, and think about this. The moment she gives, two voices speak. By the way, every time you give, two voices will speak. Here's the first voice. It's Judas. It's the devil. It's, it's your enemy and your inner me. And sometimes we don't know which one is what, but they're both talking. Here's the first voice. Why this waste? Idiot. What have you done? He delegitimizes her offering. Watch me. After she gives, not before. See, because we're all thinking about the 22nd. We're all fired up. It's like us that are going to start a diet tomorrow. Come on, somebody, tomorrow morning. Amen. No more carbs. Keto, let's go. Carnivore, let's go. Till you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, a bagel just sounds so good. Because it's easy before you do it. But once, the moment she does it, he goes, waste. Wrong, mistake, and I promise you, I've given some offerings that I gave them full of faith, and I woke up the next morning going, was that a waste? It's not a waste. But there will always be a voice of Judas that tries to talk you out of it. There will always be the voice of the enemy that says God is withholding. There will always be, there will always be the warfare in the offering. That, that tries to tell you that what you, he tries to shame her for her generosity. He tries to make her feel stupid for her giving. And, and forgivers in the room, you've been there. You felt that. Now the devil doesn't shame you about stupid purchases that you make. Some of y'all have bought boats. You're like, we're gonna be a boat family. That thing is sitting somewhere at a storage unit right now, baking we're going to boat. You haven't boated. Boated? I don't know. You never bought a car brand new off the lot, drove off. He's like, that was a great investment. You just lost 30% the moment you drove onto the street. The devil's never. <laughs> You've never went to a movie and bought an $80 thing of popcorn and thought, no, it's not 80, but you know what I'm saying. It's expensive. 
How do you know, how do you know, by the way, that movie theater food is expensive? Because every person becomes ghetto when they go to a movie theater. You got a $2,000 Louis Vuitton purse with a Diet Coke, M&M's, popcorn, mace, I mean, whatever you got. You look classy, you look bougie, but you hood just like me. Amen. Okay. And he calls it a waste. Why this waste? Oh, but that's just the first voice. There's another voice. There's a more powerful voice. There's the voice that said, let there be light. There's the voice that created the heavens and the earth. There's the voice of Malachi chapter three that said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There's the voice of John one that said in the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was God. And that word became flesh. There is another voice. It's the voice that spoke you into your mother's womb. It's the voice of God almighty. And here's what that voice said. Leave her alone. Judas, don't mess with her. Because you're calling it a waste, I call it worship. You're calling it foolish, I call it generosity. You're calling her stupid, I'm calling her brilliant. You're saying it's disappearing, it's seed, man. It might have went under the ground. You, you may not see it right now, but I promise it's producing. Because it wasn't just the gift of faith for the moment. Jesus said, this is done in preparation for my burial. In other words, not only does it require faith now, but it's creating a harvest for my future. Judas, you're thinking about right now. I'm thinking about my cross. You're thinking about right now. I'm thinking about souls. My giving does not stay here. My giving goes into my future. I'm getting into next week's message. I got to stop. Y'all going to love next week. The first two weeks have been the quietest City Light has ever been in the history of City Light. But next week, y'all going to love it. I digress. Her giving was significant because her giving was connected to the cross, connected to salvation, connected. It wasn't just about the moment. It was about the moments to come. My gift speaks to God. And when I give, God speaks for me. Number three, my generosity. This one's so important. I hope you'll hear me. My generosity gives my money a mission. Whether you ever come back here or not. (laughs) Some of you aren't but you're being nice and staying till the end. My generosity gives my money a mission. He said, she did this in preparation for my burial. This is about eternity. This is about the cross. This is about Good Friday. This is, you're, you're looking at right here and right now, but I'm looking into the future. This is, this is bigger than right here, right now. This is bigger than the poor you'll have with you always. In other words, we're always gonna do work, but this is going towards the gospel. This is, this is so much bigger. Listen, listen to this. I want you to catch this in your heart. When I give, I take money out of this world's system of decrease and I place it into God's Kingdom of increase. 
I connect my money to something eternal. I connect my money to God's mission. I connect my money to God's plan. Generosity gives my money a mission. Generosity gives my prosperity a purpose. Generosity transforms my money from paper to seed. I connect it to something eternal. So instead of just lighting a bill on fire, instead of just having money that's here and gone and here and gone, I place it into something eternal and it becomes seed that produces for me. And I give it a mission. The mission is beyond just me and mine and what I can get. The mission becomes God's eternal kingdom. When I give, I give my money a mission. Now, here's my, actually probably my favorite verse on giving. Ephesians 4.28. The Apostle Paul hears from young Timothy about all these people that are coming to the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus is generous. So they're feeding people and they're helping people and they're giving money to people. And, um, and people are taking advantage. And so not everyone that needs help is taking advantage, you understand, but these people are taking advantage. So Paul says, Timothy, here's what you need to tell these people. Ephesians 4.28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Okay, but he doesn't just say correct them. He says, okay, now Timothy, give them a vision. Here's the vision. Instead, use your hands for work. And then give generously to others in need. Timothy, they believed a lie that they're always going to need help. Teach them that they can be generous. Teach them that they can be a part of the solution. Teach them that, yeah, they're struggling now, but one day they're going to be able to help people that are struggling. Teach them to work. But don't just work to work. Work and connect it to mission. Work and connect it to the kingdom. Work and connect it to generosity. Paul Paul is telling them, get a vision. Instead of being a taker, be a giver. Now, now by the way, the giving mentality and the taker mentality, it doesn't matter how much money you have. I know millionaires who are takers. I know millionaires that can't give a good tip at a restaurant. Because, because taking is a mentality. That's why the, the series is not called Rich to be a Blessing. Because you don't have to be rich to be a blessing. You just have to be blessed. You just have to have a, you just have to have a generous soul. I know people who, who barely make it who are so generous with their time. They're so generous with their words. They're so generous with their talent. They're so generous, yes, even with their treasure. It's not about how much money you have. It's about a mentality that has to be broken. Paul says, yeah, if, if they're stealing, tell them to stop stealing, but it's bigger than that. They have, they have to get to the point where they don't just want to work for themselves. They want to work to be generous. So for believers, we should not just plan to increase our standard of living. Now, nothing wrong with that. There's, I, I have financial goals. There's, there's one more house I'd like to buy that's a little bigger, a little more square footage. There's, there's some things I'm believing God for in my, in my personal life and for my family and for, for our children. Uh, nothing wrong with wanting to increase your standard of living. But we should also work to increase our standard of giving. 
Yeah? Does that make sense? I'll tell you, if you go into 2021 going, I want to make more money, you're not going to make more money. But if you and God make a covenant, and you say, God, I'm going to give you 10% this year. God, I'm going to give you 15% this year. God, I'm going to give you 11% this year. God, I'm going to 20%. I promise you, now you're in covenant with God. Now you can start doing some things. One old preacher told me this, Jabin, some people are working for a living. I'm working for a giving. I work and I work hard. And yes, I'm gonna be a blessing to my family. And yes, I'm gonna create some financial security, but I'm working for a giving. Okay, so some of you are going, why, dude? Why are you making this such a big deal, giving my money a mission? Why are you? Let me tell you why. Because when you die... And, and so far, one out of one dies so far. There's always one person in church like, I'm never going to die. Okay, cool. But the odds are not in your favor. When you die, you can't take your money with you. Do you know that? Y'all know that? <laughs> now, that was a terrible response. So maybe if Billy Graham says it, it'll be more. So here's what Billy said. Billy led hundreds of millions of people to Christ, maybe. Here's what Billy said. Billy said, I've never seen a hearse driving to the cemetery with a U-Haul attached to it. Thank you, Brother Billy. I can't take it with me. Am I going to be a blessing to my children? Yes, but I'm not storing up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Words of Jesus. He said, he said store up also, think, you gotta think eternal. Store for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. And, and that's the mentality of the kingdom, but I'll, I'll give you the mentality of our, of our generation. Let me quote one of our poets of, of our day, one of, one of the most famous 21st century poets. His name is Aubrey, and he said this, when I die, put my money in the grave. Well, Aubrey's his Canadian name, amen? Uh, his American name is Drake, but... Like that little dig I had to... So this week, I was at Orange Theory, because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying. I'm just trying. And so, so I just try it. So I'm on, the, I'm on the treadmill, and this one coach, Coach Sydney, she always plays hip-hop, and that's cool because I never listen to hip-hop, so, but I'm trying to raise my cool factor, right? So, so I'm on the treadmill. I'm going, I'm going, and this song comes on. Man, it's got a good beat. I think I recognize it. I think that is Drake. Yeah. Is that Rick Ross, too? Yeah, okay. So Rick and Drake are going, and they're rapping, and I'm kind of liking the beat, and it's kind of cool, and you know, whatever, and it's kind of hyping me up. I start speeding it up. I'm going a little faster. No, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden the chorus hits. When I die, I put my money in the grave. I went, whoa, wait, wait, wait. But y'all know that thing's going because when I brag about how much I ran, I got to keep that thing going. Don't act like you just... <laughs> y'all know, know the truth, right? You got to keep that thing going because when you... Oh, man, I ran 2.5 miles. Yeah, right. That's so that thing's going. And I grab... I grabbed my phone and I wrote it down. I said, Aubrey, you're going to help me preach today, brother. I put my phone down. 
And then I got back on and I thought, I thought homeboy's got the biggest house in Canada, but he's got small thinking. Rick Ross has hundreds of acres in Atlanta, but they got small thinking. When I die, put my money in the grave. No, no, but that's our culture. It's me, 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 and you're not getting any of it. It's me. How about the kingdom? So let me, let me, let me read from another poet, but he's a lot older. His name is Isaiah. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 32, 8, that's what Drake says, but, but generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. And while you're trying to bury your money with you, I'm planning. How can I give it away? How can I help more people? How can I expand the kingdom of God? How can I give my money a mission? How can I give my prosperity a purpose? Come on, somebody. How can I turn paper into seed? How can I? Drake, if you're watching this, I love you. And you need to give to this church. So do you, Rick. Shout out to Rick Ross. He's lost all that weight. That's why I'm at the gym. I'm trying to be like you. But give. Okay, so, so how do I know I'm generous? The Bible said, but the generous plan. How do you know you're generous? You plan? You plan? You budget? You think? You pray? You're not just thinking about what's the next shoe drop or what's the next this drop or what, how can I do this or how can I buy this? You're planning. You're thinking, how do I, how do I be a blessing to my children? How do I... How do I create wealth for the next generation? How do I be a blessing to the body of Christ? I plan. I pray. The reason that we do this series and then do the offering at the end is because we want you to plan. We want you and your spouse to pray. We want you to pray. We want you to think. We want you to talk. We want you to process. We want you to ask the Holy Spirit. We want you to plan because generous people plan. This is not a series to convince the unconvinced. I've never preached from this pulpit to try to convince the unconvinced, ever. But to the generous, it's asking you to plan. Matthew 5.48. I'll end with this. Matthew 5.48 in the message translation. The words of our Savior. In a word, what I'm saying is this. Grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Let me have the keys come. Listen to this phrase from Jesus. Live generously and graciously towards others. The way God lives toward you. As a kingdom subject under the rule and reign of the king, King Jesus. We are to live generously and graciously. What a great way to live. It's the Jesus way to live. It's the kingdom way to live. Generously and graciously. So we're praying.
We're thinking, we're considering, we're talking, we're planning. And on November 22nd, or maybe for some of you earlier, we will give as the Holy Spirit leads and we will trust God. We're gonna see what the Holy Spirit does. Because we're kingdom subjects. And we don't want our lives or our church or our preaching or our prayers or we don't want it to sound like the soundtrack of this world. No, no, no hate against that song. And I, he's amazing. He's so talented. You understand what I mean? But, but our life, it shouldn't look like that. It should look like how can I give more? Lord, how can I leverage this short, precious amount of time I have on the planet, what you call a mist, a vapor? How can I leverage this for your kingdom? How can I leverage this very short temporal existence for eternity? That's my prayer. So, Father, as kingdom subjects, I ask you to give us the faith and the courage to live graciously and generously. That is my prayer. In Jesus' name.